Sal Barry and Jim Howard. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast, our first podcast of 2020. Sal Barry here, joined by Jim, not the goalie Howard. Jim, how are things with you today? Good day, eh? Uh, pretty good so far. Can't complain. It's a uh, little dreary day here in Raleigh, North Carolina, but uh, there looks like the rain's passed and uh, the weather's pretty nice. Oh, okay. Uh, it's anytime that it's uh, about sixty degrees, that's perfect hockey weather here in Raleigh. Yeah, start planning that outdoor game now, right? Mm-hmm, that's right. So, a um, couple things we're going to talk about today. We're going to give our just our two cent reaction of the Winter Classic. Uh, I know it's. It's a bit past now, but we still want to chime in on that, especially since we talked about that last week. Got to talk about John Tortorella because he's just so damn funny, uh, unintentionally funny. Um, uh, we'll talk about uh, you know a little bit about Corey Perry, uh, Ilya Kovalchuk, and the um, the All Star Game roster big reveal. Ooh. Uh, so uh, oh, go ahead. I think I'm I'm sorry for burying the lead here, but. Uh... And and we can we can talk about this later, but I think the big reveal that we're all hoping for at the All Star Game is uh, any new information about Seattle. That's what people really want to know. But we have to wait till the All Star Game to hear it. Apparently. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, and, we might have a name. We might have a logo. We don't know. Well, we here at Puck Junk have already come up with about seven or eight names of our own. So I mean, uh, and I'll I'll link to that in the comments if you want to see what we thought. The name of the team should be. I, I pulled the guys here at Puck Junk, and everybody had their own um, their own interesting take on what the team name should be. I, I still have uh, uh, something riding on on mine. If it turns out to be the uh, the sock eyes, yeah. So if if that happens to to uh, end up being the name, I'm going to have to review one of those uh, tawdry uh romance hockey romance novels by that lady that that owns the trademark for that that name for the sockeye yeah yeah that's well i i think that would just be a good that would just be a good puck junk type review anyway i mean we you know on the site we talk about hockey cards but then oh my god you find like the new york islanders christmas album and that becomes like my my yearly obsession in december so no i love it. i actually i'll just listen to it while i'm i'm working and those of you who maybe t- tuned in a couple weeks ago you might have heard i put a little bit of the islanders christmas album at the beginning and at the end of the podcast but um i i i love that you know and that's that's the kind of stuff we need to talk about on on our site you know um so i mean yeah by all means hockey romance novels that we should have somebody reviewing those um it should be you because i don't want to (laughs) you're saying i want to (laughs) i'm saying i got a pile of serious hockey books i have to review so um I'm I'm currently reading uh, Wayne Gretzky's uh, 99 Stories of the Game, which oh, yeah. I, found, I found at a, a discount uh, bookstore for $15, and it is an autographed copy. So, I wow. mean, I, yeah, the, the guy like got a, a box of books in, and there was like four of them in there, and they're all autographed, and he priced them at $15. Now, I wish I had known I would have given you 15-plus shipping and whatever gladly for one of those. Because, mm. one, I don't have that book. Two, it's signed by Gretzky. Wow, what a deal, man. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I, I might be able to call the shop and see if, uh, see if I can get one. I, I, I know what shop it is. I can, I can give a call. Maybe he's still got a couple around. I'll, I'll see. It was about a year ago. I found a um, I found a book uh, signed by Bobby Orr. It was it was oh. a hard it was a hardcover book. It wasn't his autobiography. It was a hmm. hardcover book from the seventies. It was um, like a hockey instructional book. So it had like a lot of photos of like how to shoot the puck, how to check somebody, how to do this, how to do that. So it wasn't like something you'd sit there and read unless you were like learning how to play hockey from a book but in the front it had a nice big autograph in marker and i'm just like wow i mean if somebody was going to forge a bobby or autograph it wasn't going to be on this uh, on you know an oversized hardcover book about how to play hockey so i was just like yoink i mean i think i paid 30 for it now that's 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 great you you found a gem right there yeah 
And, and and you're right. It probably is. Uh, you can go look at Bobby Orr uh, autographs. I might have one on a card somewhere. Uh, but you can go look on the internet. Look at a bunch of Bobby Orr uh, signatures. Look at the one that you've got. And you should be able to, you know, pretty easily detect whether or not it's close or somebody really just DS'd it. Yeah, I, no, I, I, did, I, did I actually... Say that again? I, I do that from time to time if I'm, if I'm looking for... Uh, somebody who is who is uh, long past, and I'm looking for an autographed book of theirs, mm -hmm. uh, an old silent film star or something like that. And I'm like, okay, this seems a little cheap for this autographed copy of their book. Let me look at the signature and look at a bunch of their other things they've signed. Yeah, I think that might be a forgery. Or this could be plausible. Well, you know, it's just a trick you can do. The thing is, is like forgeries, are, I mean, I'm not, not to get all into like, the, you know, about autographs and stuff, but... Um... It was, I, I bought it at a used bookstore and they knew that it was a signed copy, but they weren't like going to like, they, they were pricing it as a signed copy of an out of print book, but they weren't like, oh my God, this is Bobby Orr and it needs to be a hundred dollars. They were just like signed copy, out of print book, 30 bucks. And I'm just like, okay. And I mean, I looked on my phone and I compared it and it just, it looked it looked legit. And okay. like I said, it looked like literally like something that somebody would have gotten signed in Boston mm -hmm. in like the 70s. I mean, it was signed in markers, so it could have been signed later. I know Sharpie markers really didn't come about. Oh, I just read about this, that they didn't come about until like the 70s, but they didn't really catch on with, with autograph uh, collectors until like the late 70s. But huh. I don't know. It, it looked more like a magic marker than like a Sharpie marker, just like you know what you would have called a magic marker but anyway so yeah um so uh yeah so seattle hopefully announces their team name um we'll talk a little bit more about the all-star game in a bit so i want to talk about john tortorella because i don't want to say he's the gift that keeps on giving but <laughs> when he gives it is a gift it's, i mean yeah, it's overwhelming sometimes I love his quote when he said he got mad at a sports writer and he just said, ask me a question. Don't say talk about, you know, because they'll say talk about the game. Right. And that's that's a lazy sports writer's way of saying I don't have a question. So I just want you to talk and then maybe I could pull a quote from whatever you say. Tell me about the third period. You, uh -huh. you know what I mean? Like, well, we scored three goals, you know, like and so he wants he wants a specific question. And I love that quote. Um, of course, I remember when. He got irate with the Flames, and he stormed their locker room and ended up getting oh, suspended yeah. for a bunch of games, tried to, to fight their coach. I mean, a, a little misguided, but but definitely passionate. I mean, definitely, um, I mean. That's one word a, for it. <laughs> a a hard-ass coach, but also, I believe, a player's coach. So just a quick rundown. So the Blackhawks were at the Blue Jackets on December 29th, 2019. The Blue Jackets were up 2 to nothing. The Blackhawks tie the game two to two, or you could say the Blue Jackets blew the lead. More on that in a bit. Uh, the Blackhawks were penalized for too many men on the ice in the closing moments of the game. Should have been at the 19.2 second mark, but the clock ran down to 18.1 seconds. Uh, Blue Jackets wanted more time on the clock. Timekeeper didn't put more time on the clock. Blue Jackets scored as the time expired, so they would have won the game if they had, if they only had that extra second on the clock. They would have won the game. So, goes to overtime. What's oh, okay. That? I, I, I thought you were, you were stopping right there. I was like, there's more to that right there. So, but yeah, keep going. Yeah. So, there's more to that. So, the um, game goes to overtime. Then it goes to the shootout. Uh, Blackhawks win in the shootout. Um, first uh, uh, Blackhawks shooter, Jonathan Taves, he scores on uh, Jonas uh, Copasalo. He's hurt. Ends up he has a torn meniscus. He's going to be out for four to six weeks. So uh, the Blue Jackets put in um, Elvis uh, Merlikins, their backup goalie. Patrick Kane scores a nice goal. Uh, of course, uh, Elvis was um, just put in. That was the first shot he was facing. So the, Bla the Blue Jackets lose. The Blackhawks win in the shootout. Uh, Copasalo's hurt. Tortorella goes on a rant after the game in the the press conference. He didn't rant like a crazy person. He was mad, but he was just saying, this is BS. The referee refereeing is BS. They should have put more time on the clock. That was BS. Now his goalie is hurt and that's BS. But then it was kind of like, well, if we never went to the shootout, our goalie wouldn't have gotten hurt. And it's like, well, yeah, your goalie would have probably gotten hurt the next time. <laughs> he would, you, you know, like if I didn't run out of food, then I wouldn't have, 
had to go to the store and I wouldn't have slipped on that patch of ice, right? You know what I mean? Like, if only we didn't run out of food or if we only, we didn't go to the shootout, our goalie wouldn't have gotten hurt. It's like, no, your goalie was going to get hurt anyway, maybe sooner or later, because all goalies get hurt (laughs) sooner or later. So, yeah, so um, Tortorella was fined $20,000 plus He's got like another $25,000 fine that'll happen if he misbehaves within this calendar year. Like, wow. Yeah. Uh, you didn't know about that part? No, no, that's actually news to me. I didn't hear that bit. Yeah. So he's fined 20 grand, but then it's like, and we're going to find you another 25 grand if you shoot off your mouth again between now and like December 29th, 2020. So they gave him like a calendar year to like, which is funny. Because it's like, we're going to take this money for you. I think, here's what I think we need to do. I think we need to start a Kickstarter. (laughs) We need to raise that $25,000 for John Tortorella. And then we just need to be like, the fine's already paid, John. When you're ready, just go for it. When you're so mad, you just, when you're seeing red and you just want to like, uh, you know, uh, go on a tirade, do it. Because... We got we we got you covered, man. This one's on us. Yeah, yeah. This uh, uh, a lot of bands back in uh, or hard rock or rock and roll bands back in the the sixties or seventies would would come into a town and uh, they'd you know speak with promoters and such and find out that there was like a a pro, no profanity or decency law or something like that. I know ACDC was big about this. They would just automatically pay the fine before the show because they're like yeah we know we're we're we're, there's no way we're making it throughout this show without dropping a few f-bombs and angus young dropping dropping shorts uh that's that's just going to happen so they they just go ahead and pay it yeah it's that i almost feel like that's that's um uh what what might have to happen for john tortorella but i it's was john tortorella wrong in his opinions of the situation no, he was not wrong. Uh, yes, all these things happened. Yeah, the the referees refused to do anything about it. Uh, he questioned the league. The league refused to do anything about it. Uh, I think, you know, Toronto, you know, wasn't going to do anything about it. Was he mad? Sure. Was, I mean, that's, that, that's just who John Tortorella is. But I think that additional fine actually colors in exactly what the real problem is. He handled it wrong. Uh, if he had not been absolutely livid and and calling yes and and you know, I would say on the edge of, of verbally abusing the uh, the officials at the game, uh, the refs and those behind the glass. Um, I don't think we would be he would be in the situation he is in right now. And this is, uh, again, kind of what we talked about uh, last last week. Uh, you got to mind your P's and Q's in, in this league right now. Um, and, you know, a lot of the things that John Tortorella has done in the past um, with his tirades and his storming of locker rooms and things like that. Um, that will get him in much hotter water than he was even in back then. If it happened, if it happens within, you know, like you said, the next calendar year or so. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe that line that he crossed was criticizing the officiating. And so the NHL has to stick up for its referees and they should. Um, I think, um, look, everybody's going to complain about referees everywhere. I play hockey. People complain about the beer league referees, um, Although we do have one referee that we that like all the beer leaguers kind of know. Um, I know he's not listening to this podcast. He's the only Russian referee in our area, so I mean, kind of stands out a little bit. All but right. uh, you know, because you don't you don't get too many of those. Um, but like, be like, oh no, it's the Russian referee. No ice, no ice, no ice. You know, that's that's <laughs> he, he wants to go home, so he never calls icing, right? So, uh, um, but. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody complains about uh, officiating. Um, I, you know, I think NHL refs do a great job. Do they miss a call from time to time? Yeah, you know, even I'll tell you, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna screw up the game. I'm gonna screw up. It was, it was a. Um, it's a human game. 
It is. There was okay, but I was watching one of the World Junior Championship games. Uh, maybe it was Canada versus USA. Um, yeah, it was. It was a the like the the round robin game, and um, a Canadian player got a penalty, and the sportscaster said, "Okay, he got a penalty." And then they took a look from another angle, and then the sportscaster said. Oh no, that shouldn't be a penalty. The referee made a mistake. Then they showed it from a third angle, and they're like, "Oh, wait a minute, nope, that mm. definitely is a penalty." And then they said, "That's why you know we have all these angles, and it's easy for us to say, oh, that should be a penalty. That shouldn't be a penalty." Said, "We're not on the ice. We don't see what they see." And when they showed that third angle, and you saw the Canadian player clearly cross-check the American player into the boards. At first it looked like from one angle, it looked like the American player fell forward and the Canadian player was just kind of next to him and got blamed for it. But from the other angle, you saw that he deliberately pushed him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the referees make mistakes. Um, everybody always thinks it's, it's personal against their team. Um, actually though, I will say this though, for a while as a Blackhawk fan, I can say that it was personal against my team. And I will tell you why. Because in 87, the referees, 1987, the referees went on a short strike. Um, this was because um, Jim Schoenfeld uh, uh, went after Don Koharski and, like, cursed him out after a game or maybe it was intermission. But uh, basically what happened was um, somebody shoved into to Schoenfeld. He bumped into Koharski. Koharski thought he got pushed down. Because, you know, he got knocked into by this coach. So he thought the coach pushed him down and cursed at him. Um, somebody pushed into the coach. He bumped into him and knocked him down. But he still he still followed him into the hallway and cursed him out and called him a fat pig. And, oh. uh, yeah, and, and so the referees are like, you can't treat us like this. You need, mm. to, you need to suspend this coach. And the NHL did nothing. So the referees were like, all right, well, we're, we're going on strike. You can't treat us like this. So Bill Wirtz the owner of the Blackhawks says, we'll just hire new refs. And so for one day, they called it Yellow Sunday because I forget what game it was, um, but they the referees, they, they hired like these replacement referees and they just threw like yellow like practice jerseys on them because they didn't have like the striped jerseys. <laughs> so that's Yellow Sunday and it was just a shit show. Um and so, but it was Wirtz who was like, well, we'll just hire new referees, right? F those refs. We'll just get new ones, right? So yeah. I will tell you that I used to think in the in the late 80s and early 90s, oh, the referees have it in for the Blackhawks. But I didn't understand why. And actually, after learning about that, I'm like, yeah, I kind of now know why if it's a 50-50 call, the ref is going to kind of lean against the Blackhawks on that. You know what I mean? And and I, I can't say blame them. I mean, you're going to have that bias if the owner of the team just says, F you guys, we're just going to get new refs. Yeah, well, I mean, nowadays, I don't, I, I think that that's, uh, there's probably not the animosity still around uh, for the, the Blackhawks. Um, uh, every, all of those characters are, are gone from the game. Mm-hmm. So, uh that that that's not so much but yeah everybody you know everybody looks at everything through their own rose colored glasses um and there's there's some fantastic uh conspiracy theories about you know the refs and teams like that uh i think it was was greg wasinski that uh uh went and did some tequila shots with uh one of the refs oh god it's um tim peel yeah, ah. notorious Tim Peel, um, and 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 it like Tim Peel got suspended for one game, not because he actually let out that the NHL does ask them to be biased to you know towards teams here and there to kind of you know shift the momentum on a game, but the fact that he publicly was in a, a picture with with Wyshynski with a tequila shot drinking. That's what he got suspended over. Which is funny because Wyshynski always seemed to be like the first guy to rip on Tim Peel. So the fact that oh, no. he, he have a drink with him is, is kind of funny. So um, Winter Classic. Yeah. Did you watch? I did not watch. And I was busy like all that day. So I, I really wanted to, but I just couldn't make it happen. I, I watched some of the highlights later. 
Uh, but like I, like I said, I, what I really wanted to see was more of the pageantry that was going on and, and try and get an understanding of why they, they wanted uh, or, or why they were doing this whole state fair thing. And then, you know, once I, I saw it, it was like, oh, okay, basically what they're doing is just they're, they're setting up the uh, the rides and the food stands that would normally be at the Texas State Fair. Uh, and that was part of the uh, pre- and post-game entertainment for the, the fans where they could sit there and, and you know, do the, the fun games and things like that. They're, they already have those things. They're inexpensive to set up. Um, they just put them out there where they need to around the, the uh, concourses outside of the stadium and have at it. So people were going nuts on corn dogs and stuff. And, hey, I love me a corn dog. Don't get me wrong. Um, in the Pierre Maguire corn dog picture. I don't think I have. Do okay. I want to see this? Huh? Do I want to see this? Okay, so it's Pierre Maguire about to bite into a foot-long corn dog. <laughs> And this thing has just, you know, been tearing around on Twitter and Instagram and all the memes and stuff because mm-hmm. everybody doesn't like uh, Pierre Maguire. Mm-hmm. Most people don't like Pierre Maguire. And so here he is with a foot-long corn dog, uh, about to wrap his mouth around the top of it to take a bite. And that mm-hmm. became a picture, right? So, oh, yeah. yeah, you can write your own joke or say what you want to say or or substitute the corn dog and 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 say it's something else in your dirty little minds whatever um but let's talk about the real problem here the the problem wasn't that pierre mcguire was was eating the corn dog the problem was it wasn't jeremy roenick so at the beginning they had like (laughs) hold on because at the beginning they had like this this ferris wheel and they had Catherine tappan and patrick sharp uh, up in this Ferris wheel, they're like standing. I think it was like one of those Ferris wheels where it's like they're like actual like I want to say like little like enclosed baskets. So it's not like the one where you're just kind of like your arms and legs are hanging out. More and they're like standing. Gondola. What's yeah. that? More like a like a ski gondola. Yeah, and so they're standing, and then they're they're, t- they're you know obviously the cameraman's there, so they're talking, and then they're just like, and then Catherine and sharp one of them is like oh i don't know why we're up here i hate heights and the other one's like yeah i'm scared of heights too get us down from here right and they they actually legit seemed a little bit weird and i'm thinking you know who would not be afraid of being in a ferris wheel jeremy roenick jeremy roenick right because that's nothing to him you know what i mean like like guy the guy goes after uh alligators when he needs his golf well no he didn't need his golf ball back just wanted to (laughs) He just, he just wanted to, to have a video of him going and tagging a damn alligator by the by the tail. Yeah, that was not me, buddy. Not me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you wait. Have you? You're you're from the the south, don't you? Have alligators down there? Uh, we in a a uh, south uh, eastern corner of the state. Yes, we do have alligators uh, near Wilmington, North Carolina. So yeah, they they do exist. I have drilled. I, I'm. For those of you who don't know, I am I am a, a geologist and I work in civil engineering. I have drilled uh, a bridge, two bridges, in fact, uh, near a place called Lake Waccamaw uh, in North Carolina. And uh, the vibrations that our drill rig was making for the replacement of this bridge uh, actually brought out baby alligators. So we had like a, a nest of, of baby alligators that would come and swim out and, and come hang out with us. And my drillers would sit there and like feed them from the shore and stuff. We never saw mama. So that always kind of worried me a little bit that we never saw her. Yeah. I mean, maybe something bad happened and then. No, 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 no. It's the, I mean, she, I'm sure she was around. It wasn't that something bad happened to her. It's more the fact of, okay, where is she? Because I'm not seeing her. Right. You want to see the danger and and not, not have it sneak up behind you. Mm Mm-hmm. So you're as as I, I know you're a geologist, but I just got to ask: when you play rock paper scissors, do you always have to pick rock. Uh, I feel like that's the obvious answer, and that's why I win two out of three times. <laughs> um, so okay, so getting back, so Jeremy Roenick, not afraid of uh, alligators, not afraid of heights. I assume not afraid of foot long corn dogs. I'm sure. 
Well, we have, have you seen him with a, a foot long corn dog? Maybe that's his secret uh, kryptonite. No, I think he'd eat like seven of them on a day. No, because it was a couple, it was like a couple, maybe it was last winter classic or something. They had something where they had him like going on this little chase around town because he was trying to find the right baseball field that the game was at or whatever. And mm. he stops in this one restaurant and they're like, oh, we have world famous hot dogs. And then the next shot of him is just sitting there with like a plate full of hot dogs and just, you know, eating. Yeah. You know, so I mean, obviously a shtick, but um, yeah, I miss that. I miss that that funny stuff that they put Ronick into. I mean, we wanted to see him. You know, they had like um, they had like a sheep petting zoo, and they had like all these different things, and and I just think that he would have made it a lot funnier. Yeah, yeah, he's he's there for that entertainment value. He's he's the class clown, and. You know, you don't put Milbury there or you don't put uh, Sharp there. You, you know what I mean? It just doesn't work. Yeah, there's there's nobody else in their carousel of personalities that can take his place right now. Uh, and so, you know, hopefully, I, I'm, I, I hope he comes back, you know, sometime by, by the All-Star break. But that's, you know, somebody else's business. We're not going to sit there and hash into the old stuff there. Uh, you know, some of the other stuff in the, the Winter Classic, one of the things I did find amusing was that um, they were, I, I think, um, while it was the second highest attended Winter Classic, yes, it was uh, one of the lowest ever viewed. And I suppose it's because of the teams involved. Um, yes. But, and, and I think also a little bit, you know, some people may be kind of getting a little bit tired of, of, the winter classic here and there as well. Um, if it happened like every four years, like the Olympics, I think there'd be a lot more excitement around it and that sort of thing. But, uh, I think also, uh, especially for this one, they pushed for more of an in, uh, a fan experience at the game. You had to be there in person to really enjoy it. And thankfully they did have good weather for that, but you know, all the extra space they had outside of the, uh, ice outside of the rink, they would have things going on to entertain the fans every time there was a stoppage in play. Oh. Uh, apparently, one of the players said that uh, they had pig races going on, and that mesmerized him. He was watching it, and like he realized he had to stop because the coach was talking to him, trying to tell him, "All right, this is what we're going to do on the next play." And he's like, "Oh, yeah, I've, I've got to like rip my eyes away from this amazing pig race event that's happening." Like just 25 yards away from the ice. That's hilarious. Yeah, the the, the off-ice stuff, uh, off stuff. So, yeah, so it was the lowest uh, rated, uh, had the lowest TV ratings of any Winter Classic game. I, I still think that, um, I mean, you're up against bowl games. Um, hockey fans are going to watch hockey. And yeah. so, I mean, they're going to watch it no matter what. They're trying to, it's like, you, you can't be everything to everyone. You can't have... You know, you could you can only do Chicago and P- Pittsburgh or Chicago and Washington or Chicago and, and whoever or whoever and whoever like big markets so many times. And then you say, well, they're bigger draws, right? Like the, yeah. the, the Blackhawks, whenever it's a winter classic, it's a big draw. But everybody's getting burnt out on the Blackhawks there. I think we're all getting burnt out of these like winter classic jerseys that they keep doing. And it's just like, this one is from the 1958, you know, like it, which is fine. Like the Blackhawks have a long history. They can go back, yeah. you know, 70 years and pull something. I mean, they, they, they did uh, the ones that they did last year. I looked at those and I'm like, Oh, those are nice. I'm like, those are like the late twenties Blackhawk jerseys before they introduced red. I mean, we always think of them as red, red, white, and black. And these were just black and white. And I'm just like, yeah, that's yeah. Those that's, were very cool looking. So, you know, very, very cool. I mean, you know, 1920s. Um, of course, because they the world ru- was black and white back in the 1920s. Black and yeah, white the, was a little bit of sepia tone. So then they ruin it with the with a bright green shamrock on the shoulder, uh, which which it just, you know, for the the winter classic logo. Like, let's take this cool black and white jersey and then throw a bright green patch on it. So what's the first thing your eyes drawn to that bright green patch? Why don't you just put a McDonald's logo on it, for God's sakes? <sighs> right. So um, uh, I think that if the NHL is okay with understanding that they can't be everything to everyone, like the Everclear song, um, <laughs> then that's okay. You know, you can, sometimes you're going to have it in a major market and you're going to have a big draw on TV. Sometimes you're going to have it in, I mean, Dallas shouldn't really be considered a smaller market, but, um, you know, you're going to have maybe two not as uh, 
followed or as popular teams, and you're going to have less TV numbers, but maybe you're going to just have higher attendance numbers, or people are just going to say, hey, this is cool, because, well, like you said, how it just embraced the culture of that of that area, of that state, right, with the pig races and, right. and, and the rodeo and, and the state fair and all that stuff. So I'm okay with that. I mean, just yeah. do it and enjoy it and just hope for the best, but understand that, like, if it doesn't, you know outdraw last year's winter classic it's on tv it's not necessarily a failure because nobody said that this was a failure i mean like nobody said that oh i mean and you know the other thing too i watched like the first period and a half of the game and so Corey perry like minute and a half into the game elbows ryan ellis ellis is out of the game Corey gets five in a game, which is funny because I put on Twitter right away. I'm like, well, it's Corey Perry, so they should just give him five in a game because it's Corey Perry. And then everybody's, like, liking my tweet. And then, like, the referees decide to give him a five in a game. I don't know if the refs were on Twitter. I don't think they were following me that day. But, like, it was like, so they gave him five in a game, which is what he deserved. He ended up getting a five-game suspension. I don't see anybody complaining about this, which is funny because everybody's usually like, oh, hockey's getting soft, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I think everybody pretty much agrees. A, it was it was a shitty hit to the head with his, you know, hitting Ryan Ellis in the head with his elbow was shitty. So that's the first thing everybody agrees on. Yep. Uh, the first thing everybody agrees on. The second thing everybody agrees on is Corey Perry. Yep. Corey Perry is a is a methodical pest. He's a bit of a dying breed. Uh, I, I think more teams are moving towards having skilled players, or preferably skilled players with a bit of grit to them as well, uh, sandpaper, however you want to put it. Uh, but that guy that goes out there and intentionally uh, goes to 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 make other players just absolutely that shit insane and try and draw their their uh their anger um there's not as many of those around yeah you can still name a few i mean you've got your tom wilson's and stuff like that that's they're there that's i'm not saying they're they're completely gone and cory perry is the last of those dinosaurs um but cory perry has a long history of just drawing the animosity of players and fans alike. You can easily go on YouTube and see, you know, highlights of his antics, um, you know, of, of the things that he has done and gotten away with. Like, and it seems like he only gets caught like nine times out of 10 with something kind of, kind of dirty. There's a, there's a hilarious one that, that got caught on camera when, um, uh, Alex Simon was uh, playing on the Hurricanes, and he was sitting on the wall um, waiting to hop into the game but not putting his feet on the ice just yet. Uh, Corey Perry skates by and grabs a stick out of his hands and then tosses it into the the Ducks bench and yeah. keeps going. And Simmons like, hey, what the hell? I need my stick. <laughs> you know, and he's, he's screwed. And it was funny because it's Alex Simon, But... <laughs> Uh, you know, that's most of the time, like Corey Perry's antics are, you know, that sort of level of, of juvenile behavior, but yeah, occasionally he'll, he'll do something that is uh, a bit, a bit dirty, like this elbow. And he says, Oh, it was completely unintentional. And, you know, someone says a fan of mine or uh, a friend of mine, I would never do this sort of thing. Come on, Corey. We, we've, we've heard this broken record from you plenty of times before. I don't think anybody's buying it. I mean, and he, he does have the skills. I mean, he did put up 50 goals in uh, 2010-11. He scored uh, 30 goals uh, a couple of times in his career. Um, this is also his um, third suspension. He's been suspended twice before. So in addition to the five games, he's going to forfeit over a little over $40,000 in his salary. One slightly, uh, it, it just to kind of show what kind of, uh, I don't say player Corey Perry is, but just like the kind of, fan mentality towards him, I guess, unless he plays for your team. One of my hockey coaches, when I started learning how to play hockey, one of my hockey coaches, um, he had an Erie Otters jacket. And I asked him, I said, oh, Erie Otters, that's that's weird and random. He's like, yeah, my oldest boy played major junior for the Erie Otters. I'm like, oh, that's awesome, you know, because, I mean, 
That's that's the yeah. shit right there. Major junior, you know, to be an American and play major junior hockey is like, wow, right? And uh, yeah. the funny thing is, is like the thing he talks about, like he doesn't, he doesn't, he never said to me, oh, my boy scored this game winning goal or, or he just said, oh yeah, one time in junior, my boy just knocked Corey Perry out. Like, I don't know if he knocked him out in a fight or he knocked him out in like, um, uh, a, a hit, but he's like, yeah, my boy knocked Corey Perry out cold, and he was just like, that's like what he was proud of, like that this yes. like, like you know, like, and I'm just like, oh, that's that's awesome, right? That like that's great. Like, that's what he's bragging about. Um, so um, anyway, so um, you know, another uh, one name, funny, we we talk about uh this guy last week, and then he he boomerangs back this week, Ilya Kovalchuk. Oh, uh, Kovalchump, yes. Kovalchump. How, how have I never heard that one before? Um, uh, actually, when uh, I, I I have that name seared into my mind because uh, there was a great uh, picture when he got traded from the Thrashers to New Jersey, and then New Jersey came down to Atlanta uh, to play. Uh, there were some fans that held up a ginormous sign in the stands it said welcome home koval chump wow <laughs> that was and i was like hey that's actually kind of crafty right there so uh so kovi uh signs a one-year deal with the montreal canadians uh i guess for the rest of the season um league two, minimum but only because they have to two way two, it's a two-way deal so he makes seven hundred thousand if he's in the nhl he'll make seventy thousand if he gets demoted to the ahl Never um happened. No, because he'll just go to he'll just go back to the KHL. Yep, which... same same thing that that happened with uh, Semen when the Hurricanes bought him out. Uh, the the Canadians picked him up, paid him a league minimum because basically he's still and I think he's still getting paid by the Hurricanes. And when they said, you know what, you're not doing it, we're going to demote you, he said, nope, I'll I'll see you over in the KHL. Bye. Right, which I can't bl- I can't blame him. Like it, yes. I, I can't, especially like Russian players. It's like, you know, it's one thing to be in the NHL, but like if you could, he's like, well, I could just go back to the KHL and make $4 million a year. Why would yeah. I go to the, why, why, why would you send me to the, you know, um, I don't know, Charlotte Checkers uh, or the uh, Ontario Reign, I guess for, uh, well, that's only like an hour away from LA, but still, I mean, you know, to make less, uh, less money to to play in the minors yeah absolutely yeah, they're, they're there to play in the the highest league in in the world and if they're not going to play in that league they're going to go play at home and for both of those examples uh they're going to get paid handsomely by the teams that bought them out for a while so for them they don't care they, no. they they're not going to sit there and and take a bruising on their ego if you're if you're upper deck the maker of hockey cards. Do you even bother making a hockey card of Kovalchuk as a uh, as a uh, Canadians player at this point? Like uh, only in a traded set and and only for uh, fun value. I think if 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 you do that, you're like, hey, we're gonna make this card. It's gonna end up in like one of the later series as like one of the the traded updates, and it's gonna be very limited. And then collectors gonna are gonna want it. That's the only way I see it being worthwhile. Well, it's like when uh, Martin Brodeur, like, you know, he didn't he didn't play that last season. His last season, he didn't play most of the season. And then the Blues signed him to a contract. He ends up playing, like, seven games. And, like, Upper Deck was like, oh, we're going to have cards of Martin Brodeur in all of our Series 2 and update sets. And, and he'll be as a Blue. And I'm just thinking, maybe you should kind of wait and see how this plays out first. Mm-hmm. You know, and, like... And I want to say, like, by the time those cards were hitting shelves, it was pretty much established that, like, Brodeur was not going to play any more games with the Blues, or he might have retired by then, or he might have, like, whatever. I mean, it's just funny, like, um, so, yeah, I just, I just wonder about that, because it's like, you know, he's going to play, I don't know, I mean, they got nothing to lose at this point, Montreal. They just, they, they they sign a guy who you know, had a very brilliant career. Um, I think we all kind of agree once he went to the KHL and then he came back, I mean, you know, he's, he's older by then he's like 36 and it's just like, yeah, he's not the same player when he was 28 or whatever, but he doesn't even have like even Yager at like late thirties and forties was still a brilliant player. 
You know mm. what I mean? Not putting up the same amount of goals, but still an awesome player. And 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 Kovalchuk just didn't seem to sure. mm-hmm. didn't seem to age as gracefully. Um, maybe not age as gracefully, but he also didn't have. Not to say that that Yarger didn't, you know, produce a little bit of animosity from some of the fan bases that I think he played with uh, throughout the years. And he certainly, uh, when he came back, you know, drew a lot of animosity from Penguins fans, expecting him to uh, sign with them, and then going from their cro- to going to their cross state rivalry, you know, which I thought was fantastic. That's just like turn heel move right there. Awesome. Um, but he certainly he came back in and showed that he could still still be an extremely dominant player uh, and 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 be classy about it. Uh, Kovalchuk, his legacy is gonna be about money and not so much the player on the ice, but the player who wanted to get paid more than Ovechkin uh, and the player who, uh, really wrecked the, I think the devils for like a few seasons because of that action. Not that, yeah. you know, the devil's organization can't be, you know, are innocent in this. They're the ones that tried to, uh, get around league rules to sign him and give him a hundred thousand dollars or hundred million dollars or whatever to be the highest paid player. Um, but the, he, this is, this is probably going to be his legacy because he's not, He's not putting up those numbers uh, after he came back the way that, that Yarger did. Um, and it's just not going to be there. And he he did amazing things when he went back over to the KHL. He was clearly, I mean, he's, he's, he is a gifted player, but I don't know that he he, he has the heart uh, the way that Yarger did. Yarger does, because he's still playing. Right. Yeah. Um. So... Like we always say, we'll we'll see how that turns out. I just like you know, it'll, I, be, it'll be amazing. You or I or Tim or, or one of the other guys on Puck John, when when he finally is done with his career here in uh, the North America, uh, and, and we get to to try and write about his career, especially you know through through hockey cards and and various Puck John pieces and stuff like that, like. This, this is your career. This is this is what you've left behind for us. This is you, Elliot Kovalchuk. See ya. Right. Um, yeah, I just I like I like to see superstar. I mean, we all like to see superstar players age gracefully. I mean, I'll give you an example that you'll remember. I mean, you remember Ronnie Francis? He wound down his career with uh, with uh, Carolina. I mean, I know he ended, he finished in Toronto, but he right. he. You know, he, what, late 30s, he was playing with the Canes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely he, a, a, a silver-haired, gray-beard, uh, gray-bearded uh, player. But able but to class. contribute, you know. Yeah. In, you know, maybe not the way he contributed in his 20s with the Whalers, but, you know, and, and that's kind of, or like like Steve Eiserman, you know what I mean? Like, you know, um, or even like, well, Mario Lemieux's almost incomparable, I mean, but even in, in his second stint or his 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 final comeback um in the the 2000s i mean he was still a a a damn good player not the same player but still you know i mean you have a legend and when that legend hits their late 30s early 40s they're still a damn good player and i was hoping kovalchuk would be that and instead he's like you know scoring a handful of goals and just not doing much and uh you know the Kings got rid of him. The, the Montreal's problem now. Yeah, All Star game. They're not paying him that much, so the Kings are paying him not to play there. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I mean, it's like the Ilya Brzgalov buyout. I wanted Brzgalov said that one day he would he'd reveal or he'd talk about like he doesn't talk about what went wrong in Philly, but he's like, oh well, one day I'll talk about that, and I want that one day to be now because you know the. The Flyers paid Brzgalov, Ilya Brzgalov, a lot of money to go from one Ilya to the other. Um, mm. To not, and then they paid him a lot of money to not play there when they bought out his contract, which is hilarious. Um, but you know, whatever. I mean, that he, is... he, he will have a fascinating book someday, and I and you're right. I I I hope to read it. You know, Lazy Man's Guide to Hockey. 
be really awesome the first five years of your career. Find some sucker to give you like a million, hundred million dollar contract. Then just suck, get bought out, and get paid two thirds of that to not play. And then go golfing or something. Wrestle alligators. I don't know. Well, you know what? Uh, he if 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 NBC needs a stand-in for Ronick for the All-Star game for for fun and crazy antics, I think I know a, a crazy Russian goalie that that might just fit the bill. That would be good. Well, we got the All-Star game coming up, so maybe uh, maybe we'll have either him or Ronick uh, back for that. Um, so the um, I gotta tell you honestly, I've stopped caring about the All-Star game ever since the whole John Scott debacle back in 2016. I always liked John Scott. I thought that that whole thing, I mean, it turned out okay for him, but I thought the whole thing was shitty, the way the league treated him, the way he was traded, like, you know, like traded in a trade that didn't need to be uh, made to a team that didn't want to receive him in the trade um, just so they could get him off of, uh, you know, the Arizona Coyotes. Um, I just, I stopped, I I like the three-on-three format, I'll say that. So here's what I like. I like the three-on-three format. I do like all-star games, and I love skills competitions. Those three things I really like. What I don't like is I don't like the fact that there's less players, but that's kind of necessary with the three-on-three format. You're not going to have 18 skaters and two goalies. That's maybe not necessary. Or 18 skaters and three goalies, um, actually, which, you know, that was better to have one goalie per period. Um, And... I'll I'll ask you a little trivia question now, and you can try to answer it later or not. But uh, when the uh, why they switched from two goalies to three goalies, like what the catalyst was for that, there's an int- interesting story behind that. Um, but um, I, so I, I don't I don't I'm kind of bummed that there's less players. I'm bummed that there's less fan interaction because the fans voted for John Scott, and then the NHL was like, well, no, now now you can only vote for these players that we select from and then they pick the rest of the teams and then they like let you vote for the last man in like as they call it so it's like you get to vote for the captain and you get to vote for the guy who got passed over who who you think should be in um so yeah that's just kind of like my my take on the all-star game um thoughts yeah um i'm as far as players are concerned um there being fewer players I think the vast majority of players in the league, uh, with as many games as they have to play and for so long, they really look forward to the All-Star game just so they get a break. And I know that there's like, you know, the league mandated week off and all this, but every chance they can get to heal up, you know, bruising, uh, you know, and, and rest themselves, ice knees, whatever, what have you, and, and kind of get their breath back so they can you know, move on in the second half of the season, they're going to take it. Um, what the All-Star game is for is it's it's a thank you to the fans. It's not there to decide anything. You're not looking at who's going to get home field advantage in the postseason, mm-hmm. like the way the baseball works. Um, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't matter to a hill of beans for anything – except saying thank you to the fans. And yeah, the game was getting very, very stale for a while. And I'm glad that they've they've made the the uh, changes that they have to to try and keep it interesting. And you're right, the skills competition is, is what we love. And the, the best part about those players that come is, uh, especially if the fans get to choose them, is they want fa- they want players that have character and charisma and are going to bring that colorfulness to uh, to the skills competitions and things like that. Like Mark Andre Fleury was, you know, a, a wonderful stalwart in goal because he knew none of that cared, and he could just sit there and just be a joker and and mess around uh, and get laughs and stuff like that. And that's what people love is that human that humanizing effect that the players can bring when nothing really matters. Mm-hmm. They're not going to sit there and try, like, super, super hard. That's why, you know, defensive men don't sit there and, like, lay out massive checks or anything like that. Uh, the, the you know, since you bring up John Scott, like, you know, him dropping gloves with, with I think it was Patrick Kane. Yes. That all-star game. Like, you know, that was hilarious, and everybody loved that. 
that was just fantastic. And so that's, you know, uh, I think it was the, the year before they had the fan vote and like there was a serious threat of Paul Bissonnette getting voted in by the fans and you know, the league definitely didn't want that. And Paul Bessonette violent like had to go like hop on Twitter and be like, okay guys, this is really funny, but cut it out. Right. Do not be there, you know, things like that. Um, but yeah, we want we want to have those characters and that sort of thing. And um yeah, the 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 game may not be that exciting to to watch, but the skills competition is. And if have you ever been to a uh to an all-star game event? Yeah, and actually that that kind of ties in with my little bit of trivia that I was going to to talk about. So, uh I went to the 1991 All-Star game when it was in Chicago. My aunt had season tickets, my aunt and uncle had season tickets, and um they took me to the game. My grandmother actually paid for the ticket. I mean, they would have probably taken me anyways, but my grandmother just got gave it, you know, as my Christmas present um yeah. just to, you know, like he's got to go because you know this might never happen again in chicago i mean it's been almost 30 years now so what happened was i i went to the game and they had the skills competition which was a lot of fun um and then the game was actually kind of boring i remember like sitting there and watching the game and just being a little bit bored because nothing like it kind of got to this blowout score and then just kind of like nothing happened and i remember when like a penalty got called and was like whoa a penalty you know like something to stop the play otherwise it was just a lot of flow back and forth um what um what what happened was was 1990-91 season um you ha- you still had balloting at that point where they were paper ballots and y- you would um you punch the ballots you put them in the ballot box and you vote for the starters so you voted for the starters six from the Campbell conference which is <clears throat> practice which was pretty much the western conference and six from the um wales conference which became the eastern conference and um what uh what happened was um mike vernon of the calgary flames uh who was a damn good goalie at the time he got voted as the starter now the reserves were picked by the all-star coach and the all-star coach was whatever teams made it to the Stanley Cup finals the year before those coaches would become the all-star coaches the next year so mm-hmm. for the uh, for Campbell Conference you had John Muckler of the Edmonton Oilers who won the Stanley Cup and for the uh Wales Conference you had Mike Milbury who was the coach of the Bruins um actually there's two interesting stories here so mm-hmm. what Muckler did was they won the cup and their MVP was goaltender Bill Ranford so of course he's going to pick his MVP as the second goalie for the All-Star game. Chicago fans were livid though because the game was in Chicago and Ed Belfour was having a monstrous rookie season. He was just tearing it up. He was playing almost every game for the Blackhawks. He was he ended up that year he won the Calder Trophy, he won the Vezina Trophy and he won the Jennings Trophy. So I mean he just basically was had like an amazing season. Well, they're like, well, why isn't Ed Velfor the other goalie? And Muckler, I mean, I'm not putting words in his mouth, but it was basically he had to pick his goalie because his goalie was the MVP of the Stanley Cup final. How do you not put him on the all-star team? I mean, they're always going to be a little bit partial to their players anyway, but I mean, that was kind of like no competition. So Muckler said, can we have three goalies? And the league was like, no. And he's like, but there's three periods, three goalies, three periods, huh? huh? right? League was like, no, right? But here's the effed up thing about the league. The league was mad that Milbury, Mike Milbury, did not pick Guy Lafleur to be in the All-Star game. Lafleur was in his last season. He was winding it down with the Quebec Nordiques. And they were, they were like, well, Guy Lafleur should be in the All-Star game. Who does Mike Milbury put in the All-Star game instead? Chris Nyland, his enforcer. Um <laughs> Well, Nyland ended up getting hurt and not playing in the All-Star game anyway. But Milbury's like, look, fighting is part of hockey. Nyland is a good fighter. There you go, right? I mean, that that's that's part of hockey, a uh, bigger part in the 90s especially. So, yeah. so then the NHL did this thing. Uh, they called it the... Uh, commissioner's selection even though this was before the there was a commissioner it was still a president but um they call it the commissioner's selection and they picked bobby smith who was winding down his career with the minnesota north stars and gila fleur 
um, you know, to kind of like pick an older guy, an old elder skatesman from either conference and put him in the game because they really wanted Guy Lafleur to be in that game. So it's funny that the league was like, no, you can't have three goalies, even though three goalies, three periods, that makes sense. And, you know, you have like 10 or 11 teams per conference. It was kind of weird to only pick like two goalies, but, you know, four centers, four left wings, four right. And, and then... um etc. So that's that's what happened there. Um, that's when it switched to three goalies, which it has been until they went to the three-on-three format, because then those are only two-period games, first half, second half, which I think makes sense. For a three-on-three -three game, we don't want to see them go like three 20-minute periods. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's how that played out. I did, and to answer your question from four minutes ago, I did go to that All-Star game. I love the skills competition. I like the player introductions. I like going to the All-Star game. I mean, if they had it in Chicago next year, I'd go. I'd find a way to go. Sure. Um, but, um, you know, I, I just, I kind of, I feel that, like, with less fan participation, because like you said, it's a thank you to the fans. But then it's like, okay, fans, this is a thank you to the fans, but then we're going to, um, we're going to pick the teams for you. Oh, and that guy that you voted for, Alexander Ovechkin, he's not going to play. Yeah, he, he's him. Him just basically like not even caring. Just be like, yeah, no, I'm not going, and I'll go ahead and set the game. Like, well, I don't know which team it is that they are going to be playing that he's going to be sitting, but they're probably like, oh yeah, that's cool with us too. Not only do most of our players get to take a break, but we also don't have to face Ovechkin in a game. Awesome. <laughs> hey, let's give that Connor McDavid kid a break. He deserves it. Yeah, really. You know, let's give him a break. Let's give Friends, that Crosby a, a break. Let's give... I, I know Crosby's injured this year, but, like, when's the last time he even showed up for an All-Star game? Because he's mysteriously been injured a lot. I don't know, but, you know, I think back to, like, you know, I got into hockey in late 89, or early 89, halfway through 88-89 season, and, like, practically every All-Star game I watched, Wayne Gretzky always participated. The the big guys always came, you know. That ninety ninety one. a great fan guy. He's he's always made time. I've never heard anybody that has met Wayne Gretzky say I was disappointed in. I, I expected more or whatever. Like he has always been extraordinarily generous to the fans because he understands the dynamic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he even, like, in 91, he even talked about boycotting the All-Star game in Chicago. Um, I think he had a cousin or somebody who was in the military, and this was when that whole Gulf War conflict was going on. But he didn't do it. I mean, he just he was just kind of—I think he was more upset about it. And, I mean, you're going to say things sometimes, but he didn't, like, say, oh, screw this, I'm boycotting this stupid All-Star game. What's the point of an All-Star game when the world's going to war or whatever, right? You know, no, it didn't, it didn't go there, and he— he played in the game, and that's the thing. Like, when I see somebody like Gretzky or Lemieux or Iserman or Lindros or like all those guys would 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 just be happy to play in the All Star game. And I think maybe now it's kind of like the players are like, yeah, I know I'm an All Star, but I don't need to be in the game to know that I'm an All Star. Whereas maybe 20, 30 years ago, it was seen as an honor. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I don't know, unless they get, like, some sort of, like, bonus from the league, you know, how you can really, like, improve that. Um, um, other than, other than honestly, like, giving the, give the fans more control over who they want to, to like, represent their team uh, to go there. Like, you know, f find the, the guy that, that they love. Uh, it doesn't have to be the most skilled guy, although it does definitely help. Um, but, you know, find the guy that they want to go represent their team and, and give, you know, if it's supposed to be a thank you to the fans, then give the fans what they want. If, if you want this to, to be a thing for them and, and, and be something that's going to continue and grow, you know, that's what, that's what it's got to be about. You know, and, and one thing I'll say, um, I remember, um, so after, after Milbury picked, Chris Nyland to be on the all-star team and didn't pick Guy Lafleur. Uh, what another thing that the league did then was they, they took away control of picking the reserve players. That used to be something that the all-star coach used to do, which I thought was cool because 
you know, it'd be the guy who won the cup, the coach who won the cup. So, of course, they'd pick like four or five of their guys, but they could because it was a 20-man roster, 21-man roster. And then the the runner-up coach would usually um, also pick some of his guys, you know, that helped get their team to the final even though they lost. And I, you know, when the Blackhawks lost the 92 final, I was like thinking, oh, well, this is cool because at least Mike Keenan will be the coach of the Campbell Conference for the 93 All-Star Game. Well, a couple things happened. Keenan stepped down as coach. Daryl Sutter took over. Um, but then the league just decided to pick the the reserve players because they didn't want Milbury or uh, a Milbury or somebody like that to, to, to do that anymore, where they're like, well, I'm just going to pick six guys for my team. And even if they're not like worthy of it in, in the league's eyes, but I really wanted to see uh, Blackhawks player Dirk Graham make the all-star game because he had been the team captain for a number of years. He was pretty much the team. He was a team captain to Blackhawks until he retired. And then Chris Chelios became team captain, but Graham just worked his butt off during his career. And he was just such, a, such a hardworking, good, like, I mean, Sel- Selkie trophy winner, but like a Selkie trophy winner who is actually like, not an offensive powerhouse who also played good defensively. He was just a damn good defensive player, like a good shutdown player. And I, I wanted to see him get his all-star game and he never, he never got into one. And that would have been his chance because it would have been Mike Keenan and Keenan would have been like, all right, you're our team captain. And you won a Soselke trophy a couple of years ago. I'm putting you in this game. Didn't happen. So I, I, I do kind of miss that kind of eccentricity. Like, when you get a coach, you know, if John Tortorella was the all-star coach and he got to pick his reserve players, maybe you'd raise an eyebrow at one or two of them, but he'd probably have a pretty good reason for it and uh, uh, why he picked those players. So that's why sometimes you got to take the bad with the good, you know, because you yeah. get more interesting choices. Sure. No, no, I understand that entirely. At the end of the day, um, like anything else, the NHL is a business. They're there to make money. Or it'd be an ad revenue, uh, eyeballs on TV, butts and seats, uh, corn dogs and mouths, uh, what, whatever it is. Uh, it, it's, you know, it, it, it's about the bottom line. Um, it, 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 I, I, I would love to just see a, a, another shakeup here and there. I mean, you know, you've got to do that every now and then it, it, because you have it every year. Um, and it, it, things get stale very quickly. Uh, I was at the one here in Raleigh uh, back in 2011, mm-hmm. and um, that Raleigh did an amazingly good job of the fanfare and uh, just you know shutting down some of the streets in downtown and and uh, having just all these crazy events happening. Uh, and we had people from you know all over North America fly here to come to the All Star Game because it was so accessible. And we met a lot of people um, from Canada, from California, mm-hmm. um, just everywhere you can think of showing up and just talking with them. And they're like, hey, you know, what else is great to do here in Raleigh? I see you're wearing a, a Hurricanes jersey. You know, you know, how much does it cost to go to a game typically? Oh, my God, you're only paying that, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, you know, at that point, even rival fans, uh, fan bases, just set everything down and put it aside and have a great time with one another. And the players that you normally have animosity towards, um, you're cheering for them in that skills competition for that hardest shot, for that fastest skating. You want to see them succeed. And at that point, it's it, became, it becomes one of the most wonderful experiences in hockey. Uh, honestly, outside of seeing your team win the Stanley Cup, Mm-hmm. Once or three times or whatever, um, it it is a wonderful feeling to know that this community of fans uh, really can can put everything aside, all differences, and embrace one another because of their embrace of the game, and that's fantastic. So this won't be the last time we'll talk about the All Star Game because I got other things to say, but I'll save those for another day. But um, uh, we. You're going on a little bit of a road trip, I understand, in in a, in a couple of weeks. So why don't we end the show talking about uh, uh, Jim Howard's big adventure? <laughs> okay, yeah. So uh, we are uh, my myself, my wife, and a friend. Uh, we uh, we have a unique opportunity here, um, 
in uh, uh, having a, have you ever heard of, I think it was called like the knot hole gang uh, in baseball a long time mm-hmm. ago. Um, uh, I, I, it might be a little wrong, but it, there was, uh, uh, I guess, sort of a club where you go to different cities and go see different uh, baseball games. Well, we're having a, uh, a hockey weekend uh, because we have a Hurricanes game here in Raleigh on a Friday night. Uh, then our uh, new affiliate down in Greenville, South Carolina, about four hours away, uh, they have a game on Saturday night. So we're going to drive, you know, the next morning all the way down to Greenville uh, and go watch uh, the, the Greenville Swamp Rabbits play. Great um, name. Great name. Fantastic jersey, too. Uh, really love the logo. I'm the only one that calls them the Bog Bunnies. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll... Maybe I'll call. Uh, I'll hold up a sign for that. I think we're sitting uh, uh, only a couple rows behind the bench there. Uh, and then the uh, next day, we're going to uh, get up and drive to Charlotte uh, to go see the other uh, Hurricanes affiliate, the AHL affiliate, um, uh, Charlotte Checkers play. They have a one o'clock game on Sunday, and that's only about two and a half hours away from Raleigh. So by the time that game's done, we got plenty of time to drive back and still get to work, and we're not taking any days off for work there. So that's going to be our our uh, our road trip uh, in a nutshell. But I'm going to try and document it well, and hopefully give you guys a good review about um, our uh, our road trip adventure. Uh, uh, kind of give you an insight on, it, and hopefully uh, other people will get out there and go. Uh, have a, a nice lost hockey weekend as well, uh, going to see some wonderful uh, minor league games. Because minor league games are a lot of fun. They really are. I think one thing that might be fun, um, you got to compare the prices of a beer, a Coke, and a hot oh, dog at all yes. three places. You know, like, got to find those common items. You know what I mean? Like The, the, the items you're going to find at every stadium or at, at each event, you're, you're always going to find a hot dog. You're always going to find a beer. Uh, you're 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 always gonna find you know like those things yeah get right. a great price comparison that's a great idea yeah that that's one thing and then uh, obviously um yeah I don't know I mean even just uh, should be interesting to 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 hear what you find out I mean I love going to the um, Chicago Wolves games uh, you know they play in the AHL they as, as you know they met your Charlotte Checkers teams in the Calder Cup Finals mm-hmm. last year and that was sad five games. I was probably one of the only Wolves fans that stuck around and watched the Checkers get the get the Calder Cup presented. I actually applauded their guys. I mean, I wanted sure. to see a championship. I just wanted to see the other team win. But, you know, you're there to see a cup get presented. You might as well watch it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like You may not um, get, get that chance again. Right, right. So, I mean, and I felt, I felt good for, you know, happy for the team that won. But... Uh, you know, I mean, minor league hockey games are a lot of fun. I've never been to an ECHL game, so that that's going to be news to me. Um, right. Swamp Rabbits, yeah, they do have a cool logo. That should be a lot of fun. So, uh, any final thoughts? I think we've covered everything well. I hope that uh, Tim is is doing well in uh, his his new abode uh, and not struggling too bad with trying to put together the uh, IKEA furniture that uh, will probably be holding his vast collection. Yeah, you know, one thing I'd like to say though is, folks who are listening. Curious to know who you think should be on the All-Star team or what you think of the All-Star game or the fan selections or the league selections or whatever. So, you know, definitely if you have an opinion on that, we'd love to hear it. Uh, maybe we'll talk about it in a future episode of the podcast. But all right, then I think we'll just wrap it up for today. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. Hope you have a great week and hope you'll be back here in another week. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.